And you know, the first thing Pastor Bush said while he was ministering, that God laid it on his heart. That's today. How many of us were in that morning session? That God laid it on his heart that today we'll be dealing with contending. Ah! He said it. I was like, God, thank you. You started breaking this down. Literally everything he said in the morning service. You saw how high level, how big it was sounded. That was how confused I was this day. It was as he was repeating it this morning that I started to understand what God wanted me to say. And then we went into the Sunday school. And Gabriel continued. He spoke about hunger and thirst. See, I'm just going to try to rush through the few things I have to say so that maybe someone can have time to pray this morning. Because essentially what we want to do is to engage God for an experience. <laughs> you know, Pastor Tony totally said something last Sunday, and I quickly went to write it in my note. He said, God is not cheap. How many of us remember when he said that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> God is everywhere. Hello? You, do you agree with me that God is everywhere? Oh, yeah. The Samuel was talking in Psalms chapter 139 from the 7. He says, from whence can I hide from your spirit? How can I run from your presence? He said, even if I decide to run to hell, you are there. If I run to the farthest ends of the earth, you are there. Eh? If I tell darkness, please be my cover. He says, even the darkness will bow to your light. But then the same sound is when it came to seeking God. He says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence commit my help? God is everywhere, but He cannot be found everywhere. Do you want to write that down? God is everywhere, but He cannot be found everywhere. First Kings chapter 19, from verse 11. Elisha was on a mission to find God. God said to him, Go and stand by the mountain. I'm going to pass. And the first thing that happened was that a mighty wind tore through the mountains and split the rocks. But the Bible was quick to tell us that God was not in the wind. An earthquake came. It says God was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was fire. And after the fire, it's still small voice. God cannot be found everywhere. And that is why a special contention is required this one. If you want to engage with God. Are you following me? The matter we are considering this morning is important because not everything in the kingdom is a gift. Huh? Not everything in the kingdom is a gift. Some things are rewards of contending. Ah, Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1. It says, oh, Let him that do what? 
Are we together? Let him that thirst come and drink. He says, even if you don't have money, because in this kingdom, the currency is not money. The currency for purchasing realities in this kingdom is hunger and thirst. So even if you don't have money, and you find that you are hungry, he says, come and buy. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. We read it this morning. Blessed are they that do what? Hunger and thirst. Why? Because they shall be filled. God will help us this morning. Oh, God will help us this morning. How many of us are willing to be filled? You know, we started looking at encountering God on last Sunday. How many of us can remember encountering God? And Pastor Tony asked, Oh, see, I'm telling you, literally everything I want to say, I got it from the service this morning. Pastor Tony asked the question. He said, we have said and we agree that hunger and thirst is a currency. How do we obtain this currency? Because like someone told us, if you are empty, you cannot be filled. If you are empty, you cannot be filled. Sorry. If you are not empty, sorry, you cannot be filled. Sorry. That was what the boy said, right? If you are not empty, you cannot be filled. It takes emptiness to be filled. And we started from last Sunday to look at encountering God. An encounter with God, a proper encounter with God, begs the hunger for more of Him. So if you did not learn anything from that service of encountering God, you may find that this morning when we say start engaging, you will lack the capacity to pray. Hello? It takes a man that has met God to say that I may know him. The more I know you, the more I want to know you. Stop at neutral and you try to drive. What happens? 
aside from the fact that the car doesn't move. Oh, you know, the, the engine will be firing. The engine is very alive. And yet, the car is not moving. I had a situation like that a few December ago. I was driving my family to the village for Easter. And we are just in the middle of the road. And something spoiled in the gear. I find that suddenly I was firing. The engine was producing the loudest sound and the car was slowing down. I was wondering, what is the problem? Do you fire, fire? I have to, you know, clear. And everything we did did not get us to our destination that day. I and my family, we slept on the road. We had to beg someone, please, can we pack inside your compound and sleep in the car? The same way it is possible for a car with a powerful engine to move to nowhere when the gear is disengaged, is the same way it is possible for a Christian with a powerful God to be stranded in life if you are unable to engage. Are we communicating? You know, we sing and we preach so much about the greatness of God. About His goodness, how good He is. How powerful He is. And yet it appears that there is little or nothing that translates of that greatness into our lives. Because there is a disengagement. I just want to give you a background so that if you catch it, we can pray. In this area, in Yoruba land, if you listen to them talk about Jesus, if you listen to them praise God, It is like that. Who is this person? It is obvious that without question, God is great. However, even though we call ourselves ambassadors of this great God, it's like there is a disconnection. We're talking about engagement this morning. You know, this, this duality in spiritual experience, it makes us to raise Christians that their lives are contradictions. So you find that people come to church and you say, God is the greatest. They say, yes, I believe. God is bigger than all your problems. They say, yes, we agree. But immediately they leave church and face a challenge. He said, God, let's face reality now. <laughs> ah, a pastor. <laughs> Imagine there is nothing at home and the wife is coming to tell you. Yeah? How, what are we going to do about this matter? And then you are like, let's pray about it. And the next thing that usually happens is, see, you are spiritualizing everything. This is not... Is that true? So 
we find out that our spiritual experience becomes a dichotomy. It is one thing when we are in church and our testimony is different when we are out. Because somehow, in spite of the fact that we believe in the greatness of our God, and we have even encountered Him a few times, because consistently we have been unable to engage. It's like, maybe this thing is only for Sundays. When we can find a way to bring down the fullness of the power of God into our daily realities, then prayer no longer becomes an activity. It becomes a way of getting things done. Coming together. Have you ever finished praying and you know God speaks to you about one or two things? And shortly you see it begin to happen. How do you feel, please? How, how do you feel? Does anybody at that point convince you to sing a song? It bursts out. How great is our God. It's no longer a matter of Sister Chica, come and lead us in chorus. It's not a matter of, you know, my voice is not that good. is the result of engagement. And God wants it to be consistent in your life. Is someone willing to engage this word? The God we serve does not speak much, but he answers much. Did you hear what I said? Because we are entering into the how do we engage. The God we said does not speak much. It's not a prerogative, but he answers much. In Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, he says what? Call unto me. I will do what? I will answer you. But I will not just stop at answering you. I will show you great and mighty things that you did not know. Pastor Felix was talking this morning. One of the things he said again was that if Moses has not contended, if he failed to contend for the glory of God, his experience would have stopped at maybe the cloud that he saw on the mountain. And he would have come down happy that he had an experience at least. It is almost like God is waiting for your questions so that he can begin to show you. God likes to be engaged. A popular verse we read, we read in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, although we only use it for Type an offering. <laughs> he says, when you bring in all your tithes, bring your offering 
and he says, prove me now. Can you say to your neighbor, prove me now? It's an invitation by God to engage him. An invitation. God likes to be engaged. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. He says what? Come. Let us do what? Reason together. You know, maybe because of our culture, it, it looks like an insult to try to reason with God. Huh? You know, our culture says when an elder says something, you accept it, whether you agree with it or not. Huh? And so, it's like our experience with God, mostly, is in that same dimension alone. Oh, God said, okay, God has said it. How are you convinced that it is true? What personal experience can you use to say that God is good? Do you know that when, when people are ministering, someone with a personal experience will talk in a different way from someone with good biblical knowledge. Oh, I want to prove to you this morning that God is good. You know, in, in First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 42, according to the word of God, the Bible says that God is good. I can reference another verse of the Bible. Obadiah chapter 8 verse 15. God is good. Amos, if you follow me to the book of Amos. If you are a Bible scholar, you will enjoy that message. Because it gives you more verses to add to your note. But when someone that has experienced and encountered the goodness of God is talking, why is it that Jesus was so interested when he heals people? You say, Please, don't bother after me. Go and tell others. Because the best message you can preach is your experience. I Do you want to engage with God this morning? The best message you can preach is your experience. And how do you get these experiences? You must learn how to ask questions. Spiritual intelligence requires that you engage God with the right questions in order to get the right answers. Some of us, the only question you ask God is God, why me? <laughs> and he will respond, you say, why not you? 
in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 14, 25 to 31. The disciples were in the middle of the sea and they saw something on the water walking towards them. And they became afraid, they began to shout. It is a ghost. And you know, Jesus did not let them leave with that impression. How often is it that we assign supernatural manifestations to the devil? Things happen. Ah, this one is village people. <laughs> so immediately they saw that thing that looked out of the ordinary. They said, ah, this one is a ghost. The same way when they saw Jesus healing and casting out demons, they said, this one is from Beelzebub. But Jesus stopped them and he said, it is I and I am not a ghost. And you know that was a message on its own. It means that, just like I'm telling you this morning, as a child of God, you are capable of doing the supernatural. As a child of God, uh, you are capable of healing the sick and they will recover. It is not out of the ordinary for you as a child of God to raise the dead. Now we say these things in church and you accept it. Oh, I believe. And that was what the rest of the disciples did. But Peter engaged further. He said, if you are sure if indeed it is possible for a human to walk on water, then call me to follow you. Most times when we look at that passage, we focus on the littleness of Peter's feet. But I promise you, one thing we cannot deny is that Peter walked into an experience that none of the other disciples would ever walk. You know, after that day, until they die, if they're having an argument and they say, well, Who has ever walked on water here? Well, what will happen to Judas? There are experiences that you will never get in the kingdom if you don't learn how to inquire. in Genesis Genesis 25 I can't remember when Genesis 25 21 and 22 Genesis 25 21 and 22 Isaac went to entreat God for Rebecca his wife she's bad you know she needs a child. And Rebecca became pregnant. But the children were misbehaving in her stomach. And you know, anybody would have said, You have been married. God gives me a child and you are still complaining. But she said, God, if it is indeed God, 
that gave me this word. Why is it disturbing me? And the Bible recorded that she went to inquire of the Lord. It was at that place of inquiry that she learned that she was not just carrying babies, but nations. An angel appeared to Gideon in Judges chapter 6 while he was threshing wheat in the wine press. And he greeted him. Hail thou that are a mighty man of valor. He says, The Lord is with you. If I greet any of you like that, the first thing I'm going to say is what? Amen. <laughs> huh? Okay. Some of you that have more faith, you say, Amen, I receive. And it ends there. Gideon said to the angel, If it is true that the Lord is with me, then why am I in this condition of hiding to prepare my food? If it is true that the Lord is with me, then my life should be more than this. How many of you have asked yourself that question? If it is true that the Lord is with me, why am I still at this position? It's an inquiry. It is not lack of faith. It is the tool for engagement. So you take that question and you go to God. And yet God said to him, ah, Behold, the Lord has sent me you to destroy the Midianites, and you shall destroy them as one man. He said, Hold on. Do I know that it is the Lord indeed that is sending you? know, even as ministers, we have this question sometimes. I remember a few Sundays ago when I was asked to pray for one little girl. You know, I came out to pray for the girl. And God told me immediately I came. This is the prayer point. But you know, I was not sure. I was like, are you sure? It's like you like to show yourself too much. They just say you should come and pray a simple prayer. And you want to start talking. Just pray, okay. And she went back. Fortunately, I was supposed to also minister. As I came out again, he reminded me of that girl. How many of you remember that we had to pray for the girl before the ministration started? And even at that point, I was still not sure where this is coming from. God, Pastor Tony came to confirm to me after service. He said to me, thank God. This prayer is from God. That was when I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, 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 you don't, you don't think we have doubts? <laughs> when you have those doubts, they are tools for engagement. And Gideon said to the angel, if it is true that you are sending me, he said, I'm going to put a fleece of wood on the ground. Let all the rain that will fall this night fall only on this room. Let nothing grow outside it. Then I will know. And I was thinking God will get angry. Have I not spoken? 
my authority. But God came and poured water on only the wood. And God came back the next day and said, are, are you convinced now? And Gideon said, hold on, one more thing. Let's try it again. But this time around, you see this wood, let it be dry and let it rain fall everywhere, please. And God had to stay awake again at night to make sure that the dew that is falling does not touch that wood. There are, there are levels of experience. Moses, the Lord called to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And said to him, Moses, Moses, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am sending you to Pharaoh. And Moses said, excuse me, sir. Who are you? I like your titles, they are very nice. But who do I tell these people sent me? God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, Thank you, I know that one. Who do I tell people that I met? What is my personal answer? When someone has a challenge and comes to you, oh, God is good. He will see you through in this situation. Amen. Because you have nothing personal to offer. And God had to go into his archives to bring up the name that he has never told anyone. So that Moses can rest. And he said to him, I am. I am. There are levels of experience you cannot get to until you contend. And, you know, Moses did not stop there. When he finished, and God finished sending him, he was like, thank you. He turns to go. He turned back again and says, sir, excuse me, sorry I'm disturbing you too much. But wait. How will these people believe? What do I, do I convince them that it was you? This was now in chapter 4. That was when God asked him, what are you holding in your hand? And he said, it's a rod. And God said, throw it on the ground. And he threw the rod. And he became a snake. God said, hold it by the tip. He held it and he became a rod. He said, go. Do you know that after that day, Moses treated that rod differently? After that day, as far as he was concerned, it was no longer the rod of Moses, but the rod of God. Do you know that before, if Moses, as Moses comes back from his shepherding world, he just throws the rod and goes to bed. But do you imagine him coming back that day and throwing the rod carelessly? He may wake up in the morning and see a snake. <laughs> do you know that as Moses left the land of Midian to go back to Egypt, he went with nothing but that rod. When 
Jacob was returning from his father-in-law's house. You know, he came with plenty of cattle and goats and sheep and wives and children. And you say, this one is a made man. As Moses was leaving his own father-in-law's house, he went with only a rod, but that was sufficient. Because he had through contention, gotten an experience that was far greater than cattle's. And you know God did not stop them. Because what did he say again? Call unto me, I will not only answer you, I will show you great and mighty things. And God said to him, put your hand under your armpit. And he did. And he brought out the hand. And what happened? It was full of leprosy. And he said, Kai. So prince of Egypt like me have leprosy in my armpit. And God said, put the hand back again. And he put it again. And he came out. And he was normal. You see, one thing I noticed that Moses did not do in spite of all his anger in scripture was to cross his hand again like this. You know, usually when people are like this, it is stubbornness. Eh? Have you ever seen when a wife is refusing to agree with her husband? He cannot work in his house. No wonder Moses became the meekest man on earth. God had taught him something from that encounter. It is very easy to make you a leper. Very easy. <laughs> When you engage God, there are experiences that will transform you for life. Another reason why you must engage God today is because there are engagements that are salvation for others. There are, there are men and women that are waiting that are waiting for you to encounter God so that they can get the answers. Are we still together? Let me show you a story. I want to round up. Genesis chapter 18. God had come to visit Abraham. Genesis 18, if we started it from verse 16. God had come to visit Abraham. And you know, it was a nice visit. And as they were going, Abraham was escorting him. And God talks to himself and he said, How can I do something of the magnitude I'm about to do without informing my friend Abraham? I know that he will command his family to serve me. And God talked to Abraham and said, Abraham, hold on. There's something I need to tell you. So that it is not when you see the smoke, you will be wondering how did this happen. There is something that has happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, and it has come up to the courts of heaven. And we are going to settle the matter. I just say, let me inform you, because you're my friend. 
and I cannot do anything without telling my friend. How many of us want that kind of relationship? Engagement this morning. <laughs> and Abraham drew near to God and said, Excuse me, sir. Since you have decided to share this testimony with me, you know, you know his testimony. The fact that God spoke to you is enough. Most of us will stop there. You run to CNN and announce it. By 6 a.m. this morning, I had an encounter with God, and He said that Nigeria is going to burn if we don't pray. It sounds good. But Abraham did not speak there. He said, Since you have chosen to discuss this with me, can I engage you further? Are you not the judge of all the earth? Is it possible that the judge of all the earth can be found to do wrong? Abraham said to God, Far be it from you that you will find righteous people in a city and you will destroy them with your righteous ones. It's like saying to God, God forbid, God. Far be it from you. And God said, okay. So what do you want? He said, what if we find 50 people in that big city? Just 50 people that are righteous. Are you going to destroy the city when there are 50 people that are righteous? God said, eh. Anyway, we wanted to, but... If I find 50 people that are righteous, I will not destroy the city. Abraham said, well, since we have already started this journey of engagement, how about if they had just fought? No, say, no problem, 40 is fine. Oh, wait, 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 you are agreeing too quick. You know, when you price something in the market and they are few people. <laughs> He said, okay. What of 30? Okay, can we make it 20? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Last price, last price. 10. If we get 10 people, you're not going to destroy that city. And God said, fine. I'm sure Abraham calculated in his head that Lot, his wife, he has four daughters. Two of the two four daughters are married. They will be married to two men who would also have parents. If only in this family they get it right, Sodom and Gomorrah will be saved. And God called the angels and said to them, I have an agreement with Abraham. If you go to that city and you find ten people that are righteous, come back. One man engagement. And they just got to the city. And they phoned God back. So we have finished searching. They don't reach there. And God said, there is something else Abraham said. He said, far be it from me to destroy the righteous with your righteous. Even though we will destroy the city because they don't have ten people. Even if it is one righteous man we find, 
You cannot start anything until he has left the city. And you know, when we read that passage, please help me get to chapter 19, verse 27. The very next day, we find Abraham. The Bible said that he went back to the place that he had the discussion with God. That is a spiritual position as a Christian when you go to remind God, God, this is your word. Abraham could already see the smoke from the city. And so he was telling God. I can imagine he was saying to God, as I can see this smoke, it means you did not find ten people. But God, you cannot destroy the righteous with your righteous. And he was standing there, looking at the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says to us in verse 29, that the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but preserved Lot because he remembered Abraham. Did you see that in your Bible? God remembered Abraham and saved Lot. There are people whose lives are dependent on your engagement with God. Are you following me this morning? If Abraham had not done that, probably Lot's matter would have ended. We look at the story of Moses. We look at the story of Moses. Maybe let's read it. Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 32 from verse 9. Exodus 32 from verse 9. I want to conclude. Are we there? And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. It is now, therefore, what can you see there? Can you scream it? I want to hear you. Now, therefore, leave me alone. Is it possible for a mortal man to hold God? <laughs> God allows himself to be held and engaged by men. destroy these people, but Moses, you are holding me. Leave me alone. And Moses began to engage God. Let's read it. And Moses besought the Lord and said, Lord, why does your wrath grow hot against your people whom you have brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains. Turn your fierce rod and change. Please, what does your Bible say? Turn your fierce rod and do what? Huh? Uh, oh. What does your version say? Please, I need you to say it into the mic. And repent of these people. Did you hear that? A man is telling God to do what? To repent. <laughs> A man is telling God to repent. Engagement. Let's keep 
going. You know, Moses was talking to God. I said, God, are you sure you are thinking well in this matter? You are the one that needs to repent. And the Bible tells us in verse 14. What does it say in verse 14? I'm reading it together. And God repented. <laughs> and God did what? Repented. Do you know if not for Moses, probably we wouldn't. Be hearing about the nation of Israel. Was one of the things Pastor said to this morning. Maybe we'll be hearing about the Moselites. <laughs> the nation of Israel would have ended, but for one man's engagement with God. If we have the people we have here. And God says, I am looking for a man that will stand in the gap. If it is only one man God is looking for in Nigeria, and we are watching Nigeria spiral down into different depths of atrocities, then maybe somebody is not engaging enough. You know, even in the gear, there are different levels of engagement. There is gear one, there is gear two. Is thing. Maybe someone is not engaging enough. Are you ready to pray this morning? Thomas was someone that you would have assumed that he should not be coming up in this manner. Each time we talk about Thomas, it is doubting Thomas. But Thomas understood the principle of engagement. They said to him, the Lord has risen. He appeared to us. We saw him. He said, thank you very much. Me, I need to see too. I can stand here and tell you many beautiful things God has done in my life. If I bring Pastor Felix here now, he will not go home today. He will tell you lots of things God has done. But if you stop there, you are doing yourself a disfavor. He wants to say this morning, God, in my life too, I want to see. In my life too, let the fullness of your power be manifested. You know, eight days after Thomas said that, Jesus had to come back. He had already visited his disciples and that was the plan. He was gone. But somebody said, no, I will not end my life on the experiences of others. Me, I want to experience too. Eight days later, Jesus came in. And as a proof that he did not come for any other person in that room, he walked straight to Thomas and said, Thomas, come and put your hand here. 
that they need to engage this morning. You start talking to God. In my life too. In my life too. Let the fullness corruption. It is time to contend. Let the fullness of your power be made manifest. And we would never settle for less. We know this more that's found in you. Is someone praying this one? And we would never settle for less. We know this more that's found in you. And we would never, never, and we would never settle for less. We know this more that's found in you. So we would never, never, and we would never settle. We would never, never, we know this more that's found in you. It's another opportunity to contend this morning. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. We would never let my experiences not end with the testimonies of my pastor. Thank you. 
45 verse 11, God is saying this to someone right now. God says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and your maker, he says, ask me your things to come. Ask me your things to come. Ask me your things to come. Concerning my sons and concerning the works of my hands, ask me your things to come. Concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. God is saying to someone this morning, concerning the works of my hands, I want to give someone one more chance to pray. Songs of Solomon chapter 3. Oh, Rabba Kubi Hatala Bando When we are done with this, I'll just let you pray for a while. And we'll end. Songs of Solomon chapter 3. I'll read from this 1 to 4. It says, By night on my bed, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him. And suddenly I realized that I could not find him. He says, I will rise now and I will go about the city in the streets and in the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. Even in the city and in the squares, I sought him and I did not find him. And then I saw some watchmen. And the watchmen saw me. And they said to me, What are you looking for? I said, It is he whom my soul loves. And they had no answer for me. But it was a little after I passed the watchmen that I found him. I found him whom my soul loves. I held him. And I would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house. It is an opportunity for someone to seek. Don't stop at the experience of the watchmen. You will find the watchmen first. The watchmen offers comfort and security. The watchmen offers security. It may be financial security. It may be physical security. Eh? It may even be spiritual security. I have this my mother that prays for me. Go beyond the watchmen. He says it was a little after I had passed the watchman that I found him who my soul loves. It was a little while after I had passed the watchman that I found him who my soul loves. Somebody wants to find God this morning. There was a mighty wind, but he was not in the wind. There was an earthquake, but he was not in the earthquake. 
there was a fire, but he was not in the fire. But there's a still small voice that is speaking to your mind right now. He's bringing answers to your questions. He's bringing solutions to your problems. He's bringing solutions to your challenges. There is a still small voice this morning. And you want to say, Lord, I don't want to stop until I have encountered you. I don't want to stop until I have encountered you this morning. There is a voice. There is a place beyond the watchman. There is a place beyond the watchman. That is where I'm going this morning. Yeah. 
Don't be on the watch there right now. Your beloved is waiting. Ziba kama dia kalima atalosi. Elevo ke bolone ke nene ke bolototo. Elege nene kolo kotole brege se brege ya. Ukawa kodia. Elova no se ya. Elova no se ya. Elova no se ya. Zeke nato kofeli bruno ya.